Hello, friends, and welcome to a new episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts, where this week, me, Mark Miffles, and my friend Tom, Tom Arch Jr. Hi, Tom, say hi. Say hi. Hi. How's it going, Mikey? Uh, we're going to do something different. Uh, but first, Tom, how you doing with, uh, with self-isolation and quarantine and uh, all those things? Um, it's been all right. Um can't really complain um you know more busy with work stuff but it's uh it's kind of good to keep busy the one thing i would say is it's gonna be at least i think for three more weeks um where i'll be definitely working from home um obviously it can become much longer than that but we'll we'll see how everything happens but i'm trying to not stay in my room as much because like towards the beginning um, I was sort of working out of my room off my laptop and yeah. sitting on my bed. So I'm trying to like have this distinction. Okay, when you're in your bedroom sitting on your bed, it's like time to go to sleep. So during the day, stay out of the room. Um, and then, you know, that sort of helped because like I would be trying to fall asleep and my mind was just racing. Um, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm pretty adjusted at this point. Yeah, someone who has worked from home for a couple of years now that is a weird uh like crucial bit of figuring out working from home it's boundaries and discipline like on occasion i will just work from bed um but like i can't have blankets on me i need to be sitting up i can't be like i can't be an absolute slug and it helps so much it's so healthy for you to get up and out of whatever like your cozy area is and work elsewhere. It's one of the reasons why people say it's one of the worst things you could do is eat in bed and things like that. Although, let's be honest, who hasn't eaten some cold Yeah, in bed? I know. And the other thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, um, like, shower regularly in the sense of, like, it's when I'm going to work normally. It's just one of those routines. You wash up, you get dressed and all that. And I'm trying to wear um, jeans more often than I don't because I feel like... I've been wearing sweatpants for like forever and it's just this sort of lazy like, eh, I'll just do whatever the fuck I, I want. I have been wearing pants. Why would I wear pants? Well, I don't have the luxury of having the house to myself, so I kind of... I don't have the house to myself either. I live with my brother. Well, I can't like walk around in my underwear. My mom's around and all that stuff. It'd be kind of weird. I walked around in just my boxers uh, when I was living at home with my mom. It sounds like you're repressed, Tom. It sounds like... Your family didn't teach you that the human body is a beautiful thing. I wouldn't go that far. It's just And know. on that note, uh, what are we doing this week that's different, Tom? Tell the folks. Well, we are going to be talking about uh, a movie. And we figured we'd start this week with a hockey movie, um, D2 The Mighty Ducks, um, a movie <laughs> I've seen a million of times, um, one that my opinions have like changed as I've gotten older. Um, but I still think it's one of the better of the, um, the three movies. And it'll be interesting to see that there's going to be, um, a mighty duck series coming out on Disney plus. So I'm very interested for when that does eventually come out and see how it, uh, spins off of, uh, everything that that's gone on. Here's my thing. I think all the movies are terrible, but D2 is the most memorable to me. It just had the most moments in it. Like, the fact that they made Iceland into this fucking, you know, evil superpower in the hockey world. 
and all this other shit that goes on the weird hollywood los angeles thing um like the ragtag group of kids they added from all over the globe or all over the states rather um but yeah i took notes on this uh for those who who are at home listening to this uh you can watch the mighty ducks movies i believe they're on hbo on demand right now uh they're not yet on disney plus which is a shame but as tom mentioned more mighty ducks are coming uh so we have that to look forward to but of course it's weird to think that this movie was released in 1994 which is obviously the year the rangers last won the cup i was eight how old were you tom so when this movie came out, I was uh, I would have turned two in September. Yes. So I was I was under two. So I was lifting up rocks looking for bugs, and you were pooping your pants. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's it's weird to think of that. And what my the first note I wrote down from uh, D two is the painfully nineties wardrobe, the the colors. The fucking necklaces and bracelets. Uh, it just... It doesn't age well in regards to that. Like, some of the hockey gear doesn't look that that bad, actually. Which is really funny because hockey equipment and merchandising is a major like subplot of the movie. With the whole Hendrix company. and mm. But, like, I have so many issues. I, I barely know where to start. I told us, I told us both that I would kind of take the helm to start this week's show. So I'm going to read to you a couple of quotes. I started writing quotes and then stopped, but I just want to read you a couple of quotes. Okay. Sure. Um, I don't need no school. It's an actual quote from this movie. Don't you know that everything's on fire? Uh, which are lyrics sung by Portman. America is a teenager, just like you. And I heard they ran him out of the league and the country. And that was Charlie talking about the evil coach on Team Iceland. The so, dentist, Stanson. Yeah, that's right. Wolf the dentist, Stanson. Um, so yeah, other than the painfully 90s outfits, supposedly this took place two years after the first movie. So that's why the kids all look a little older. My big question for you, Tom, and this is something I kept writing notes about and getting angry about, especially because it kind of it circles back to the climax of the movie is I'm sure you're familiar with the first Mighty Ducks movie yes where the fuck are all the other kids including the what's his name Terry the kid his brother there's a pair of brothers only one of the brothers is on this team where'd the other brother go yeah it's where's the fat where's the kid from heavyweights where's the little Pete from Pete and Pete do you remember Pete and Pete yes I do he was in the first movie where's Pete and Pete was I think it was like Carp and then uh, Peter Mark like the two like um, one of them was uh, heavyweights kid like well no like th- I think that was Carp and then like the other one was like he was sort of like the tough guy oh yeah the tough little Italian street thug kid yeah yeah where'd that kid go I well, mean he was like four feet tall he probably couldn't play at this level but I mean I guess like logically that was their way of like okay we're gonna be you know, participating in this tournament and um, we're pretty much like cutting off the dead weight. Um, (laughs) I I mean, that's kind of like... Cutting off the dead weight. 
Listen, like, kids, I'm back. My knee got hurt in the AHL or whatever, and I'm going to round you up. Charlie, only get the good kids. Forget the rest. Pretty much. Like, yeah. it's. Were you really missing anything? That's true. What about the. Because Pete and Pete, little Pete, his sister was the figure skating girl in the first movie, and she was good. Yeah, who but was. Then they that? got Kenny Wu. Why yeah, didn't they have exactly. two figure skaters? But all this circled back to Tom is they rounded up eight of the original kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't tell you all their names other than I've always been fascinated by Connie and Gee, which is like the couple on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because Gee just dressed like everything that was wrong with the 90s if you listen to the Spin Doctors and shit. Um, Although I love the double zero as the jersey number. You know what? I did like that too. And I didn't dislike Guy. I just didn't like the way he dressed. And a great hockey name too. An amazing hockey name. Um, also, yeah, there's a lot of weird hockey jerseys. Like Julie the Cat Gaffney was number six as a goalie. Yeah. It's just, what's that about? Um, but I, I noted that when Charlie rounds everyone up and then, you know, they go to Goodwill or whatever the hell it's called, uh, they have eight kids on the team. Mm-hmm. And then five new kids show up. Tom, I wrote this down. Let's break it down, folks. You got eight originals, five new kids. So you got fucking 13 kids, two of which are goalies and two of which are goons. These kids yeah. are playing 30... Oh, the skaters are playing 30 minutes a game. You can only roll two lines. Yeah, I wonder if they like gave much thought to that in terms of... Like, yeah, are we going to have enough kids? But the reason it pisses me off so much is, like, you know when, like, uh, Adam Banks hurts his wrist, uh, and then uh, Emilio Estevez, who suddenly becomes a paramedic, is like, turn your hand this way, and he's like, (laughs) done deal, prick, and then he's like, turn it the other way, and he can't do it, and he's like, you can have permanent nerve damage, all of a sudden I'm an EMT, and Adam Banks is like, ah, coach, fuck, and he's wearing a polo shirt, because that's what they always made that poor kid wear. And he has to come out of the lineup, and then they get Keenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live and all that, and all the things. So the roster balloons up, Tom, to 14 players. But then Banks is good to go for the big game against Iceland, and Charlie's like, you know what, Coach? Adam can have my spot. And that is what makes Charlie, like he said to, to Emilio Estevez, he's like, Coach, you know how I always said I'd be a better coach than a player? It's like, kid, you don't even have hair on your balls yet. What are you... (laughs) You're already shitting all over your hockey? You don't know what you are. Like, what are you doing? And that brings me to the point is... That's a plot device, Tom, is the size of the roster. Is, like, Bombay tells Adam Banks, like, I have to to scratch you. I can't dress you. I can only have, apparently, 13 players. Which also, like... When they play Iceland the first time, Portman gets ejected immediately. So they're immediately down to 12 players in that game. Mm -hmm. And then Julie the Cat Gaffney gets ejected for pushing two guys. So they were down to 11 players. Also, my biggest... Like, I have so many problems with this movie. But one of the things that enraged me the most time... I know I've just been ranting, I'm sorry. No, I love it. So... Remember, Julie comes in the game because Goldberg is a hot piece of shit because he's always been a hot piece of shit. I also have a list of reasons why Coach Gordon Bombay is a bad hockey coach. We'll get to that later. Um, (laughs) Obviously, you start Julie the Cat Gaffney. Like, it was two years ago you tied up Goldberg 
to goalposts, and that was how you got him to be a goalie. And you're, you're starting him, and he's like, no, Julie, you can't play. Goldberg's on a hot streak. You beat goddamn Italy 11 to nothing. What did Goldberg have to do with that? Anyway, um, so Julie comes into the game. Uh, typically, the Icelandics uh, are sexist, and they're like, oh, uh, girls in a man's job, ha-ha. And she's like, boys, can you help me with my pads, which is really creepy like preteen sexual innuendo and they look down and they're like huh and then she appears to just shove them both over and the referee skates over and he says verbatim that's intent to injure you're out of the game in that same game tom adam banks scores like a dignity goal and he points at the net like like artem anisimov after him um and he he gets like tomahawk chopped by an icelandic player and that kid gets two minutes. He fucking chopped his arm after a goal was scored. That's not intent to injure Tom. It's like they didn't care about hockey. I can't argue with anything you've said so far. Of course you can't. It's all d- deeply rooted in realism. Maybe that's my problem. As I, as I <laughs> expected too much. But God damn it, There are so many problems, Tom. Yeah. I mean, there's... Now that you bring that up, like the just the whole roster size, like that's gonna like ruin the movie for me going forward because I mean, I know in um like high school hockey at times you can depending on where you're playing and depending on what the level of it is, you're you're gonna have a fluctuation in roster size. But this is supposed to be a world class tournament. I mean, I would kind of say it's sort of on par with like world juniors. Um, although it's obviously much younger, but to think that, yeah, we're only going to have, you know, 13, 14 players. That really is a big hole that I wonder if anyone thought about. The thing is I went into it. I wasn't fact checking that. I was curious about like, I was like, I think Fulton is a defenseman. I think Charlie's a forward. But I legitimately did know what everyone else was other than the goalies. And so I was actually like, I wonder what the lines are. Because I've watched so many hockey games now and taken notes about hockey games that my instinct was like, I should track this to see if I can track these games. Which, of course, you can't because they don't actually play hockey. And for whatever reason, there's like absolutely brutal vertebrae shattering hits in the highlights of these games Mm -hmm. when it's, you know... These kids are 13 or whatever the hell they are. But it wasn't my intention to debunk the movie, Tom. It just... The problem I have is it's so... It's just so transparent. Like, they didn't think anything through. It's terrible. Yeah. And, like, my thing about this is... Even just sort of... um, The games that they play. Like, you would have thought there would at least be, like, one matchup where, besides Iceland, that it's kind of close. Like, are we just sort of supposed to believe in, like, this universe that Canada's not good at hockey? Like, that's, to me, at least what are they going to say? They were on the other, like, pool or whatever, so there were, the U.S. would never see them, and then, it, theoretically, Iceland eliminates them. I would have loved to to have been in the writer's room when they were putting the movie together and they said, we're going to show the game against Trinidad and Tobago. We're going to show the game against Italy. 
where they went 11 to nothing. We're going to show the game against Germany and both games against Iceland. However, Tom, we're only going to show us the spinning newspaper thing and then it lands and then you can read the headline. We're only going to show a headline of how they beat Canada. You think maybe, maybe you might want to have Team Canada in the movie? Like, I, would, I would think so. Especially because, you know, I would imagine the Mighty Ducks movies performed well in Canada, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think, yeah, you got to have someone else that's it's also good at hockey. Yeah. Your point is a good one. Is It's like Iceland beat them like 12 to 2 or whatever, and they beat Trinidad and Tobago 9 to... Like, all the scores were football scores. It was crazy. Like, there was no good good games, and then, of course, the, the final game goes to uh, the shootout, so um, I guess that's what we learned here, Tom. And apparently it was a... The other part that annoyed me was the tournament itself was really poorly laid out. It's like a double elimination tournament, supposedly. Um, and so I think there was ten teams, and I remember them saying Trinidad-Tobago was the tenth-seeded team, and USA... It was either first or second, I forget. Um, but yeah, uh, let's let's circle back to the five new characters, uh, which I touched on before I lost my mind and my eyes went over like a shark. They just turned black and I went on my rant. Um, which of the five new kids was your favorite? Uh, Dwayne Robertson, just because the puck handling ability and the whole, like, I mean... It was playing really up the, like the cowboy gimmick, um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I mean, it was for me. It was hard. Like Luis Mendoza, I always like look at as, you know, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. So it yeah, was, that is Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of hard for me. Um, I mean, Russ Tyler, small part of it, but obviously, you know, Keenan Thompson is great. Um, anyone you know watch Keenan Kell and. Um, and obviously Saturday Night Live much later in life. Um, I kind of wish we saw more of Julia the Cat Gaffney. Um, She's the best to me. Not only is she by far the best player, but she had the best storyline. Like when she talks to like uh, Emilio Estevez and she's like, I joined, I left my team in Maine to prove what I can do. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. Tough shit. Goldberg is hot right now. She had an actual story. Like she was trying to prove herself. Whereas, like, you know, I think Gordon Bombay's or whatever the guy, Hendricks, the company, which we haven't even gotten into yet, um, was like, yeah, we got Kenny Wu. He won an Olympic medal in figure skating. I convinced him there's more of a future in hockey. And I was like, that's his recruitment story is you change the career path of an 11 year old. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, the Cowboy Kids fun. Benny the Jet, who can't hit the brakes, is is a, a fun gimmick, I guess. I hated Portman when I was a little kid, and I hate Portman just as much now. I don't understand the character Portman or his appeal. Um, I just hate it. Just bringing in like a um, lesser developed Fulton Reed. Yeah, he's just he's just evil Fulton Reed essentially. Pretty much, yeah. Because Fulton was never. In the first movie, Fulton was never a dick. He was just misunderstood, right? Exactly. And he was just, like... He was just ashamed because he couldn't skate. 
And that was his whole thing. It's like, well, why don't you play? And then he's like, because I can't fucking skate. And then he takes a slap shot and he hits like the suitcase in the alleyway or whatever the hell it was. One out of five. It's like, don't bully me, you strange old man. I can't fucking skate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I also, here's a quick aside, Tom. I wrote down some crimes and misdemeanors that took place during the movie. Um, under the title of hijinks, mm-hmm. they frequently break curfew. Mm-hmm. Um, when the roller hockey team teaches them how to play like the real Team USA, they shatter someone's windshield and assume no responsibility for it. Do you know who that was in the movie? That was Dennis Rodman. Yes. Um, I only knew that because I also looked at the Wikipedia in preparation <laughs> for this. Good boy. Um, they lied to the adults like in a very creepy, unsettling scene. At, when they're on Rodeo Drive, Goldberg lies to their yeah. lady, and they're like, "Yeah, my father's Aaron Spelling," and then they make women model, like scantily clad models for them, and that's that's problematic, folks. That's such um, a weird like part of the movie. Yeah, it's so unnecessary. How about you take that bullshit and you add five more minutes of hockey? hockey. Yeah, um, they drove a Zamboni through glass, yep. which property damage again through the roof and in the very beginning of the movie they steal an old man's hat when they're rollerblading through the mall of america it's a needless crime tom but a crime nonetheless so just quick before you move on um another thing that i just occurred to me like as you're talking about this like the timeline of this movie right and how long is this tournament going on to the point that they would need to be participating in schooling while this is going on yeah yeah, they go, they go to essentially like a boarding school while this is going on. It's like, you know, they're going to Shattuck St. Mary's or something. Yeah, for a tournament that's, like, based on the amount of games we see is really short. Yeah, what is this? Like, tops when you got ten teams in the tournament. Mm-hmm. It's double elimination. Let's say you play once every three days or whatever the hell. Like, it's a month. You know, And it's like summertime, too. Yeah, summer or spring break. Another plot hole. Yeah, it's filled with plot holes. Let's let's be honest. Um, but no, there's there's so much. Like there are a fun. There's a lot of fun little redeeming things about the movie, that, you know, you're like, okay, they're trying, but, for the most part, it just aggravated me. In case that isn't already abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about why Gordon Bombay's a bad coach, Tom. Oh boy, here we go. First off, in the first movie. Um, he tells his, his kids that they don't deserve to live, um, and he was he only became a hockey coach, a youth hockey coach, because he was caught drunk driving. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start there. <laughs> From there, um, he doesn't start Julie the Cat Gaffney, even though he has imme- like intimate knowledge of how bad Goldberg is. Goldberg's never good. He's never good. Um, so. His practice uh, strategy involves a lot of ropes. I mentioned before he tied up Goldberg in the net in the first movie. In the second movie, he ties the team together with a rope and tells them to skate together. Why is he tying kids up so much? I don't like it. I don't think it's appropriate. (laughs) Um, He tells Julie the cat, Goldberg's on a hot streak, tough shit. Um, He goes over to Kenny during a game when they're getting their asses handed to them by Ace and he says, We're in trouble. What can you do for us? Like, he doesn't have plays. He doesn't have an idea of uh, strategy. Like, he's not like, you know what? we got to change from zone to man to man. They're killing us. He just goes up to a kid. He's like, Kenny, 
what can you do that has nothing to do with me and my abilities that can change the flow of this game? And Kenny's like, I don't know, I can try, you know, triple sow cow or whatever. And then Kenny gets essentially concussed and he's like, was that the best you could do? And Kenny's like, yeah, sorry. I'm, I weigh 80 pounds. Um, he calls the team pathetic. Uh, the, his team yells at him and said that Iceland was ready for them. They were prepared and he was busy eating ice cream with a lady from Team Iceland. And he yells at the team, who said this was supposed to be fun? And then he interrupts their game against Germany by blowing the ducks, the duck call. Gordon Bombay is a terrible coach. Once again, it's hard to, to dispute. Uh, yeah, I came way said. too, way too guns loaded. I know. I'm sorry. I apologize to the listeners and to Tom above all. No, it's all right. I mean, like my thing with Bombay, because also the other subplot for this is that he's only coaching the team because he got hurt in the minors before he was called up to the NHL. So his career is effectively over. So this is like, you know, any NHL player whose career or one or in his case, like AHL player, um, your career's over. You want to stay involved in hockey. Coaching is one way to remain immediately involved. And it's this whole undercurrent of, oh, he's put in this position, um, you know, through Hendricks hockey. And um, there's a scene where, like, he's meeting with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about having a shoe line, the Air Bombay loafer yeah. for kids who want to coach. For and kids who want to coach. Yeah, and, like, all of these other things. And he's at this really fancy um, house. And, you know, he's isolated from the team. And it's just him really being self-absorbed in himself and really losing sight of why he loved hockey to begin with. It becomes more of a, um, in a way he sort of turns into like coach Riley where it's like, Oh, we got to win. Who said anything about having fun? Um, so that was kind of, um, an interesting twist. Furthermore, he was banging Charlie Conway's mom in the, at the end of the first movie. And then what? He breaks up with Charlie Conway's mom, and now he's he, you know, he's interested in the the tutor of the kids. How's Charlie gonna handle that? That's not appropriate. And also going on the date for ice cream with the, yeah. the Iceland chick. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Gordon Bombay! Who the hell do you think you are? It's sort of like his his character from The Breakfast Club. Wow, it's all coming full circle. It's that Emilio Estevez who is probably the least jock-looking person in the world, comes off as the classic jock blockhead. Um, yeah, it's a terrible movie, <laughs> through and through. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a lot... Like I said at the top of this, I think this was like... This was Beggars Can't Be Choosers, but this was probably the best of them. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I don't really remember what happens in D3, come to think of it. What the hell happens in D3? Oh, so that's where um, that's where they effectively are going to, like, the Shattuck St. Mary's place where they get the scholarships to Eden Hall, and um, pretty much all of the kids that get the scholarship are on the JV team, except for Banks, who is able to go on the varsity, and um, Bombay is no longer the coach. Like, he has to go away, and... Then uh, they're coached by Coach Orion, and there's, you know, a lot of pretty much, like, angst between the varsity and the JV team, and there's, like, the showdown, and 
before they were ready and, and stuff like that. Um, so that movie, it's that one's a little more over the place. Like I would say like DT out of, or excuse me, D2 out of all of the three probably has the most hockey in it. Um, where like the first one, it's part like off ice stuff and, you know, redemption of Gordon Bombay and, then you have him as the coach and stuff where like this movie was specifically like it's this tournament and and you know getting ready to play and all on all that fun stuff which is which do you think now i you say that i remember it because i remember as a kid being like wait weren't they just like the the olympic team like the best kids in team usa and then now they're not good enough to be on the varsity team of some random high school and i remember as a kid that confused and upset me yeah it's like um it's weird it's like yeah i never understood that like there's some and even now that i'm thinking of it just like the um the final game of d2 like the pretty much the ignoring of all the rules where like a goalie's allowed to take his mask off and shoot the puck for a goal and changing of uniforms and it's just like all these like stupid things like it reminds me of Airbud where it's like, well, there's nothing in the rules that says like a dog can't play basketball. So it's just like a suspension of uh commonly uh understood things. Which of the three movies do you think is the best movie? Not the best at representing hockey. Like which do you think is the best movie? Um the best that can movie. stand on its own and be entertaining and like has a good fucking storyline and all that shit i mean i think there's something to say for d3 in the sense of like you have these kids coming in and it's the level of seriousness to which they're approaching like growing up and there being more things in hockey and even charlie like being this hot shot at the beginning, oh, I'm the captain of the Ducks, and Coach Ryan's like, well, this is my team, and quitting the team, and coming back, and wanting to be a two-way player, and, you know, that sort of personal development. Um, so, yeah, I would probably say D3. So, my- I- IMDB has them all rated below, like, 7 out of 10. Not surprised. Mighty Ducks the first is the highest at six point one, um, which I think says a lot about everything. Um, in my opinion, they just don't stand up very much, Tom. I think I, I like I don't remember enough about D three. I think the first one is not terrible. I just think it it's way too much into the hijinks of you know. Like, it's the classic rags to riches. Like, the kids couldn't play hockey for shit. And then all of a sudden, they're, you know, a well-oiled machine. And they went through, you know, good team spirit as opposed to skill and strategy. <laughs> um, yeah. They went through the, the flying V and, uh, yeah... I always wondered how how often the flying V would end up with you going offside. That's that's how you know you watch too much real hockey. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Like it's, I think that there have been like analysis done about like, oh, is it uh, is it really onside? Is it offside and stuff like that? Or is it all just a big horrible mistake? 
Um, I know. Is there anything else you wanted to dig into from D2? No, I think that's about it. Oh, let me ask you this, because this is a fun one to me. Which jersey from the movie is the best hockey jersey? Um, hmm. I almost asked you this before we watched watched it separately because I wanted you to be like keep keep an eye out for it because like there are some atrocious jerseys in there, including Trinidad Tobago's jersey. I mean, I think Iceland's is pretty cool. It's um, it's pretty basic. I mean. Yeah, the, black with the Viking head. Yeah. It, it, it kind of makes me think about the, um, what do you call it? Um, like the Vancouver Canucks jerseys from the 90s. Oh, yeah. Just with the Orca. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. To me, it was either Germany. had a, You barely got to see Germany's jerseys, but I didn't hate them. Um, Italy's was the most boring. And... I hated the USA jersey. Oh, the final the final beef I have with the movie is the whole Hendrix hockey sub theme, and its whole thing was like it's a it's merchandise and apparel and equipment, right? So why is it only on their jerseys, and why are they all wearing like Easton and Vaughn and iTech hockey gear, Tom? It's a good question. I'm wondering if it was like a thing where. Which it's obviously never explained. Like, are they almost like, um, like a almost like a distributor? Like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like like a big company, um, like Hockey Monkey. Yeah, or like they like one of those things. Like, yeah, we're sourcing all of these different brands, and it's under uh, our umbrella. Yeah, they're fan sided or whatever the hell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess that that was beef number nine hundred and six. Um, that I had to bring up. But yeah, I think that's it. I think we, we talked into the ground. Um, I legitimately want a the Green Ducks jersey of Julie the Cat Gaffney, and I can't find one online. And uh, now that, like everyone else on the planet, money has become a real concern for me, I'll probably never get one. But it's just on this weird tab I have in my browser of things I want to find one day. You can buy a Charlie Conway jersey very easily, Tom. You can't find Julie the Kent Gaffney. Yeah, unfortunately. What movie do we do next? Yeah, I'm going to think about that. Um, what we'll do is once Shana we... Shana picked this for us. We have to pick our own one next. Yeah, I'm going to think about it. Actually, how about we do this? Like, after the, we're done with this, we can make like a list of three yeah. movies and then we... We send them to each other, and then we'll try and come to a, a consensus. Let's keep it hockey first, and then broaden it to sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I'll try not to be quite so terrible as I was for this one, folks. You weren't terrible. I love the <laughs> thoroughness. because I got so worked up, Tom. Because... Uh, I spend so much time tracking games and keeping track of shit, like, you know, who's playing with who and all this. I was like, wait, is, they got 13 kids? 13? Never apologize two, for being thorough. Never. Two goons. You have 13 spots in the roster and two are goons? Come on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think we'll get to questions now, but um, first we'll put in a spot for an ad break. Hey. 
And just like that, we're back. Um, hey. So, question. So, we should start with the one that um, was submitted via email. And then yeah, we can get... To... All right. So, um, this one comes from Dominic. I am a critical care worker in Connecticut. As you know, these are trying times. I've been entertained and comforted by your continuing podcast. Thank you for your effort. I do have a question. What was different in the NHL in the 80s and early 90s that permitted the abundance of 50, 60, and 70 goal scores? And now, despite increased speed, less clutching, and the elimination of the red line, we barely see 50 goal scores. Well, first off, uh, to Dominic and everyone else who's on the front lines during the pandemic, thank you. Um, you don't get, I know there's been a lot of attention brought to, you know, showing gratitude to the people who are risking their lives and their safety uh, to battle this horrible, horrible thing. Uh, we can never bring enough attention to it. So thank you so much for the work you're doing and for the work that you know everyone else is doing in hospitals and emergency care and places all across the globe um it's inspiring it's humbling and uh yeah it you know it puts into perspective what's really important in the world and why we need to be kind to each other and look at people who you know step to the plate for when things like this happen and show as much gratitude as we can because it's unbelievable yeah, it's um it's incredibly important to keep these people in our thoughts. Um one thing that comes to mind is it's something that um like Jeff Merrick would bring up a lot on uh you know the MVSW podcast a quote that was sort of something that stuck with him was from Mr. Rogers and sort of um you know find the helpers um yeah. in, in at this time it's you know these these people are are doing just incredible work and it's you're never able to um adequately thank them enough because they are truly putting themselves um at risk for for others and doing it where they you know don't have um you know protective equipment and um just thank you so much for everything that you're doing um to answer your question dominic um i think one of the biggest things that's goaltending um basically just how goalies approach the position in terms of training, in terms of positioning, in terms of equipment. Um, I feel like anytime you look at like a Wayne Gretzky highlight reel on YouTube, you can see like so many times, oh, he's going to wind up for a shot. The goalie drops down and he's able to just sort of skate around to the other side and, and tap it in. Um, it's also just like you had um, these incredible players who were able to take advantage of like some really crappy teams. Um, that again is also just preparedness. Um, like you have instances where you think of like all these players, like, yeah, what were you doing in between periods? Yeah. I was smoking a bunch of cigarettes. <laughs> I was like drinking a bunch of Coca-Cola's. Um, yeah. it's not like, you know, the breakfast of champions we're talking about here. Um, yeah, they weren't on, you know, like a meal plan with, you know, making sure they're getting enough iron and protein and, and all that, you know, with making sure, you know, they have gourmet chefs preparing their meals for them. It's more like, hey, Donnie, throw me a pack of, you know, American spirit and, you know, a shot of rum. We have to get out there for the second overtime. Um, yeah. 
I think that is a big part of it. And like you said, I think goaltending is huge. I think the technology thing is a big part of it. Just, you know, sports, sports medicine, I think is a huge part of it. And, um, you know, sports technology in terms of, you know, the actual equipment and also how much more sophisticated I think the game has become. It's just all the players are bigger, faster, stronger. Um, and I think the uh, I'd be fascinated to know how how much of it is likely due to how much the the playing field gets leveled by skating because you know in old, those old highlights when you would watch Gretzky like blaze by people you'd be like are those guys fucking like have cinder blocks for skates what's going on and now in the NHL like you you cannot be a below-average skater. There's no such thing as... Like, everyone has to be at least pretty good. Otherwise, you stay in the AHL. Or the ECHL. Um, and that is something I think is a big deal. Is It's really hard to just do everything on your own. You know, there's less ice. And I know, like, there's no more clutching and grabbing. But I just checked while you're reading Dominic's question, Tom. The last guy to score 70 goals... In a season was Temu Solani. He had 76 in 92-93. That I think that was his rookie year too, when he had 76 fucking goals in 84 games. Um, but that do you think, Tom? Do you think we're going to see 70 goals again in our lifetime? So I think the most, the closest we've seen was what um, Stamkos had 60. Did Ovechkin have a year of 65? I want to say. Ovi had a year of 65, yeah. Yep. 2007, 2008, he hit 65. So, like, I think we'll see 60 again because we've seen it, you know, pretty recently. Um, but 70 just feels like... That means you take... You play 10 games where you don't score. <laughs> and, yeah. you stay, and you stay healthy. Um, and if, like, Ovechkin can't do it, and he is, is in my opinion, is pound for pound in terms of error adjusted and everything else, he's the best natural goal scorer in hockey history. I give that designation to Alex Ovechkin without hesitation. I just... If he didn't do it, Tom, I don't see how anyone else is doing it. Yeah. The other thing I would say to answer this question, um, I think during this time, you had a couple of, like elite combos that made it happen like you're thinking during the 90s right just thinking of the penguins right like yeah yager Yager, lemieux Lemieux. ron francis um you know kevin stevens even yeah like and of course like gretzky don't get me wrong gretzky was great by himself but he had messier Messier, curry Curry, he had paul coffee you know arguably you know one of the top five greatest offensive defensemen of all time, Paul Coffey, I, I would put him in there. And Even Buffalo, like, had McGinley yeah. and LaFontaine. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, like, we do have dynamic duos and trios and stuff like that in the modern game, but I think when the playing field is is that, you know, that lack of, you know, the Rangers know this painfully well from, you know, all the years they had to buy those players from other teams. Um like, when you don't have someone like Lemieux and then the other team has a guy who scores 200 fucking points in a season, it's crazy. Like, there's nothing you can do to compete. I, do you think we'll have 200 points again? 
No, I don't think we will. Um, it's happened four times in NHL history, and all by Gretzky. And Lemieux just missed it one year. I think he had 199. Yeah, Lemieux in 88, 89, 76 games, 85 goals in 76 games, and 114 assists for 199 points. It's pretty good. <laughs> Like, the, the, like, we were getting so, so amped up about Panarin's season and 92 points or whatever he left off at, right? Because, like, it's been a while since the Rangers had a guy, like, since Yager and, you know, 126 or whatever it was points. And, like, you look at some of the numbers that, like, Gretzky and the Mew put up and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, it's like they're playing a pinball machine. Oh, yeah, I mean, just think about how excited... <laughs> Think about how excited we were last year about Zibanejad. Yeah, that's right. Well, Jesus, Eiserman had 155 one year. Goddamn. Yeah. Um, it is crazy. It's goddamn crazy to me, Tom. Um, yeah, another example is like Wayne Gretzky, when he had 168 points, he played on uh, the Kings with Bernie Nichols, a former Ranger who had 150 that year. So I think that is part of it, is you have those kind of generational players. And we do have generational talent today in the NHL. You know, Ovechkin, Crosby come to mind. Um, and, you know, I would say that someone like Eric Carlson, I would put comfortably in there. Um, I think he'll retire. You know, looking back, he might be, you know, the best defenseman since Lidstrom kind of, a, kind of designation for him. But, yeah, it's... I think it's it's the big difference is the goaltending and the way that goalies approach the game because goaltending specifically has evolved so much. If you think about like the butterfly goaltending style, which is now, if you don't, it's so rare to see goalies venture away from butterfly goaltending. And of course, the example everyone points to is Dominic Hasek, right? And for good reason, he was like miraculously successful considering his his style and how unorthodox and how acrobatic he was but Patrick Waugh kind of implemented the fucking butterfly position so once goalies figured out you know what I'll take away the bottom half of the net and then you get bigger pads yeah and then the goals go down right I mean that's simplistic but I mean, stylistically, yeah, you just look at how goalies approach the position. It's it's no more longer, I'm just going to stand on my feet, you know, all the goalies go down. You know what a good answer to this might be, Dominic, is go look at a picture of Grant Fuhr from his rookie season and then a picture of Grant Fuhr from his last season in the NHL. When Grant Fuhr started in the NHL, he had that, like, that hard plastic shield thing. He didn't have a real helmet. That's how, like, when he broke into the league... And by the time he left the league, he was wearing pretty much modern-day pads. Like, that is a huge jump. Like, you and I were talking before the show, like, Mike Richter came into the league wearing, like, that forward helmet with the cat-eye mask setup that Glenn Healy wore, and, like, Chris Terreri, Chris Osgood. Um, who's someone else who wore that, Tom? That, like, uh, forward helmet Dan thing. Cloutier? There you go. Perfect. A former Ranger, Dan Cloutier. Um who once challenged the entire New York Islanders to a fight. Um, like, and then you remember, like, early Richter day, like, the pads look so skinny. And it's even worse for him because he wasn't a big goalie. So he just looked like 
You look like a scarecrow in net, and then you look at like, you know, like Ben Bishop in net. It's just not the same thing. Like goalies used to come so far out, and they used to get beat like really low. It's crazy to think of how drastically different goaltending strategy is. It's crazy. Very good question. Awesome question. It feels like we could talk an entire podcast about that. It also gave me an excuse to talk about old players, which makes me happy. Grant Fuhr. I watched a documentary about Grant Fuhr a couple months ago. It was pretty good. What was Lance it called? Was in it. I forget what it was called, but it featured prominently featured uh, Slats was in it. Um, um, you know, and they talked specifically about how it was unusual for the Oilers because the Oilers had Andy Moog. So they already had a good goalie, and it was kind of like, wow, there's not a lot of black players in the league, and they're drafting, you know, Grant Fuhr. And supposedly Grant Fuhr became so obsessed with golf that, like, before playoff games, he would be playing rounds of golf, and they're like, Grant, you got to get to the rink. He's like, yeah, 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 just got to finish one more one more hole. And like, he was just addicted to golf, which is such a funny detail but that link between hockey and golf is is so fun to me anyway next question Todd. all right so now we're on our bannering points um so we have i'll a find the name of the green fury movie for you too we have a question from shana which shana. new york ranger would you want to be quarantined with and why and then a follow-up is um tweets by phil and which new york ranger would you not want to be quarantined with and why so pick a ranger or rangers you want to be quarantined with and a ranger or rangers you don't want to be quarantined with hmm oh by the way the name of the movie is making coco the grant fuhrer story i will add that to my list you should maybe we could talk about that one um who would i want to be i wouldn't want to be quarantined with hank i feel like i'd be intimidated the whole time i've interviewed him face to face and it was it was very surreal. So, um, like, I was professional and everything, but it was just like, God damn, he's gorgeous and he's perfect, um, and he deserves so much better. <laughs> uh, gosh, I think Crides. He strikes me as a very, very interesting, smart dude. Like he, the fact that he decided to continue going to school after you know, signing his contract and joining the Rangers, like, finishing his degree, um, you know, just the way he composes himself, handles himself, the way he treats his, t- his teammates, I feel like he would be a pretty good guy to get along with. Um, in terms of a guy who I wouldn't want to be, it might be D'Angelo, just because he strikes me as the sort of extroverted Italian kid that I grew up in my hometown with and I had my I've had my share of that I guess is one way to put it (laughs) um it just you know I've never really had a a happy harmony in terms of personalities with people who have uh, a D'Angelo-esque extroversion about them um I know I think it would be it would be tough it would be it would be tough for me to work, like, if it was one of the kids. Like, I would want to be quarantined with, with Kako because I'd be like, he's a baby. You know, I have to take care of this baby. And I don't want kids, so I wouldn't want any of the kids either. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on D'Angelo. 
Um, as for who I'd want to be quarantined with, um, it's no it, the answer's not going to surprise you. Um, Pavel Buchnevich, um, just you know, I think he's a really interesting guy, really good sense of humor. Um, we'd be able to you know play magnets. with magnets. Yep, yeah. damn right, magnets. Um, and I would say like Igor too, just because like that'd be fun, like play street hockey with, and you know, um, you know, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And you know, another kid, another a guy with a good sense of humor, and uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Stromer would be fun too. He's a he's very well spoken. Brennan Smith's really well spoken. Seems interesting, like a good guy. Um, I don't know. It's, Panarin. It's, He'd help yep. me with work around the house for sure. Yeah, you could always borrow money from him too. It would be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like Jesper Fast would make me feel lazy because he would just fucking get everything done all the time, and you'd be like, "I'm just a piece of shit." Like, what'd you do today, Jesper? I cleaned the apartment, and uh, you know, I did Cut all the grass. Yeah, I mowed the lawn and. I rescued a few wild animals. It's like, what'd you do today? Uh, I don't know. I looked at what games were on sale on, on uh, Nintendo Switch. And I was I don't have any on... m- money, so I didn't buy any of them. Yeah, I was just gnawing on a Toblerone. And... <laughs> yeah. I was trying to see how much of a Toblerone I could eat before I hated myself. Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, you know, who else I might do is... is uh, is Julian Gauthier, because for a hot minute there, I forgot the Rangers acquired him, because it's been that long. Yeah, um, definitely He's a lot tall, of, too. He can reach things for me. A lot of interesting options. Um, like, I know that people had, like, those quarantine houses. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a lot of good options. For, for banter, but I think my feelings would be hurt if people didn't choose my house. Yeah. A sensitive boy, unlike a soft shell crab. Next question comes from Dan Carosi. Uh, assuming the NHL does not resume, what do you think makes sense for determining the entry draft order? Um, I would say I would say you'd have a multi-tier system. Pretty much, you are sort of separating the. Uh, would-be playoff teams from the non-playoff teams and then you sort of have some sort of weighted system similar to um, like what they did in 05 where like looking at okay who teams who had picked within the top whatever in recent years and teams that um, you know had had X number of, of picks in like the last few years just like some sort of way of weighting it equally like as best as you could because there's not going to be no perfect system and what makes it so tough is that like Ottawa in this scenario if you just sort of did it by points percentage they would have like two top five picks which is like unprecedented to just say like obviously yeah you know it's based on how the season played out because they have San Jose's pick but just like okay here you go there's literally no randomness to this like because like we've seen in the past where teams have had multiple um first and sometimes they slide down or they slide up but i i have a feeling that they would want to try and make it um somewhat interesting um so yeah 
I would say some multi-tier system, which it's separating the non-playoff teams from the playoff teams and then having some sort of um, weight so that you're not just, you know, handing picks out. So, Tom, I don't know if you remember the 2005 NHL draft and why it was controversial, but of course, the 0405 season never happened because lockout. And that meant the league had to create its own kind of procedure for that draft. And they did a weighted lottery system. And that, to me, just seems like what they should do, generally speaking. Um, and it was based uh, upon the number of playoffs appearances in the last three completed seasons, supposedly. And so if you, uh, you, know, if you sucked a lot, you got more balls in the lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so the teams that got three balls in that lottery were the Sabres, the Blue Jackets, the Penguins, and the Rangers. And of course, the Penguins got Sidney Crosby. Yeah, and the Rangers slide back like that was a perfect, you know. And the Rangers like, traded up to get Mark Stahl at twelve, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> like the thing is, you're never gonna find a system where everyone's happy. But you Absolutely can, not. You can find a a less shitty system. The other thing they did that year, which is different, is they did the snake draft, like in fantasy hockey. So, like, if you picked first overall, you weren't picking again until 60th overall. Or in this case, what would it be, 62nd? Because 31 teams. So, that might be one way to do it. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think, I think they did, based on playoff seasons and... Uh, the first overall picks in the last four drafts was the two kind of factors for determining that. I would also be interested because like the whole 68 game rollback would they implement some of that? I don't know. It's it's a big unknown but I'm not opposed to the idea of treating it similarly to that to the lockout the post-lockout draft, because it's like, all right, well, how do we make it so the teams that actually need this get this, right? And looking at specifically teams that have not made the playoffs is definitely a good way to do it. I agree. Um, next question comes from uh, Andy. Which Rangers have been the biggest surprises, good or bad, compared to expectations? Stay safe. Um, I mean, like... I think it's a lot of the obvious ones that we've sort of talked about. Um, Artemi Panarin completely exceeding expectations. Um, Adam Fox and Igor Shosturkin just being so tremendous from the get-go. Um, Kako sort of, you know, not being everything that we thought he was going to be in year one, but he was someone who was starting to turn it around, um, you know, before the um, the pause happened. Obviously, D'Angelo just, you know, shattering offensive expectations. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. and But I would say the biggest is like like Fox and Panarin. Yeah, Fox is my one, Panarin's my two. It was very hard to predict what Fox would do, even considering how well he performed at the collegiate level. But, like, we've seen a lot of guys go from college hockey to NHL hockey and just not like not make that jump cleanly especially when it comes to offensive d um mcelroy comes to mind you know um we've seen it happen plenty um 
it, like Kako was a surprise for the wrong reasons, but like it's not like it's not a devastatingly bad surprise. It's not like he was forced onto the first line and just sucked. You know what I mean? That's not it's his lack of impact. I think is it goes a lot deeper than that. It's just like a it's more of a disappointment than than a surprise and I, I'm very relieved we haven't heard people use the word bust with him because uh, you should also shouldn't use it for Jack Hughes um, it's way too early but uh, they they're up there I, like, I, I knew Igor was going to be good I didn't think this good it's insane how good he is um, he also will come to mind for me and Zabanajad it's gotta be Mika right like he was fucking he was just on a tear before this all happened I thought it was going to hit 50 yeah which is funny because like I remember when we started talking about him scoring I was like you know how many could he end up with and I remember like one week we are like I don't know maybe 42, 43 and then the next week we're, we're both like this guy's hitting fucking 50 with his eyes closed because that's when he went on that tear of scoring, you know, like 10 goals in 8 games or whatever the hell it was. Um, the 5 goal game obviously helped, but... Yeah, in terms of, like, the most pleasant surprise over the past couple of years, it's really hard to beat Mika Sabanajad. That trade, the Rangers win that trade running away. It's not even close. Um... And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And his contract is beautiful, even though it ends a little sooner than any of us would like. But you just want to talk about someone who's exceeded every expectation and is everything you could hope he would be in more. This is Mika Zibanejad. Like, slam dunk, great story, great ranger. You have to feel great about what he's done and what he continues to do. Yeah, 100%. Um it's, it's hard to argue with uh, that for Mika. Um, question from Michael Pollock. Uh, hey, Mike and time, Mike and Tom. Which bottom six forward needs to be upgraded next season, and how great will it be to replace replace Pepe? I'm wondering if this means Di Giuseppe. Um, I se- seriously don't know what this guy is actually providing that a Gettinger or maybe a Baron can't. Don't see the speed IQ for him to do more. Hmm. I mean, if we're just talking, like, in the bottom six, like, pretty much everyone, um, like Haley, and um, I think Di Giuseppe's been fine, but obviously you can probably find an upgrade there. Howden, you can find an upgrade. Um, I mean, before everything went tits up, we had essentially the kids line. It was Howden, Kako, and Heedle for a good little stretch there. So, like, that was kind of the third line. In a perfect world, two of those three guys move up in the lineup next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have Phil DiGiuseppe as your second-line winger because Chris Cratter got hurt. Yep. And you don't have a first line of Ryan Strom, Panarin, and uh, Jesper Fast. But yeah, um, my number one would be Howden. Howden is, continues to be the most interesting young player to me because I'm waiting to see what he's going to bring. Or what he did, and trying to justify, like trying to understand what the coaches see in him. And Tom, and having trouble. Yeah, I mean, I 
I just don't see it either. And it's for me, it's I never could find the tweet or the story, but someone had wrote at some point basically looking at all of the players or rather like first and second round picks that uh, the Lightning drafted over the years yeah. and traded away. And pretty much they've not been burned yet. They've just known which guys to cut bait with at the right time. Um, yeah, Breezebot's good. Yeah. Like, they, if you look at that, and I've said this before, I said it recently in the podcast too, that the big blockbuster McDonough JT Miller trade, I don't think it's aged well. And I don't. Nope. Like, and I know it's still early for Libor and it's still early for, for Howden, but we've seen. For what they gave up. Yeah, we've seen like two full seasons of Brett Howden, though, and I, I do. Tom. Like, like this it. is the inflection point because, like, obviously everything's on hold, but this is where they start saying, okay, what do we need to make that transition to becoming a contender? So, theoretically, it's like, okay, is this someone who's going to be in the picture when we're a Stanley Cup contender? Yes. Okay, I'll keep them. No? All right. Well, we're cutting bait. Cutting bait. Um, and let's see. We have one more question. And this individual did not use the hashtag, so they, uh, they, they... Shame on you. Joe Fortunato. Oh. And it's not even a question, it's a statement. I want your, <laughs> I want your top three Final Fantasy games. No honorable mentions, so your number four might as well be your number 15. Well, the joke's on you, Mr. Fortunato, because I've never played Final Fantasy. I've played the one with Blitzball. I remember that. Um, that one will be number one because I remember Blitzball. I liked Final Fantasy Tactics on Game Boy Advance, I think it was. And like Tom, that's pretty much... I don't have a lot of Final Fantasy experience. And Joe knows this because he and I have talked about this before. But he doesn't remember because he's rude. And he's or he was trying to make you look foolish by asking a question like this. He's a ruffian. Even in these dark times. I can still shit all over him. Because some people are toilets. Yeah, the the alleged Taco King. Yeah, where's... Also, His... we haven't seen Wizardy the Frog in who knows how long. He's working from home now, I would imagine. If I don't see a picture of Wizardy the Frog, I'm calling Frog Protection Services. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a great point. It's important. So that's all the questions. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to say before we let the fine people go and I read off our uh, patrons? No, I think that's it. I think we had fun. I had fun talking the movie. I think it'll be... I'm curious to see if people enjoyed that or if they are all going to say, Mike, don't let Mike talk about children's movies anymore. Takes them too seriously. We'll have to see how people react. Yeah, I mean, like, also, if people have a movie that they want us to do... Um, let us know. Yeah, literally, like, this is Please the time... let it be the love guru, whatever you do. Like, this is the time to ha have your voice be heard. Like, there's nothing else going on. So, like, for all of the people who it's like, I wish you could do this, now is your time. You, you, you know, the time is now. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
as always, we're very thankful for everyone who listens to the show. Um, and we're extra thankful for our lovely Patreon supporters. Um, as we've said in the past, while the season's on pause, our patrons on pause, but these are the people who have, um, been supporting us uh, most of the year and as of our um, most recent um, collection. So thank you very much to these fine individuals. Adam Nahoek, in Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Andy White, Anthony McHale, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, uh, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Daniel Jazen, David L. Singer, Enver Leeson, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, Igor Zaflowski, James Dangles, Jamie Bushold, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landolt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sammy Vogel, Seidenberg, Sean Stieg, Bjalbach, Stink Fleeman, Togai Rob, The Ninjas, Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you again, uh, all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. Um, we uh, appreciate all your support throughout the season. And uh, Stay healthy, social distancing, wash your hands. Yeah, and I think now, if you live in a state where you have to wear um, a mask outside, um, there's a lot of things on the internet where you can look at um, how you can take like a t-shirt or a scarf or a like a towel and fold it and use like a coffee filter to sort of um, create a mask. So MacGyver one. Yeah, but as always, just stay safe. Um, I might use. One of the like three or four jerseys of players that are no longer Rangers. It's not a bad idea. Like Brady Shea, I have a bad. I have Brady Shea and McDonough jerseys. I have a bad trend of getting young defensemen that I really liked, and then things went a, a different way. Yeah, it's it's tough, like knowing who to buy, when to buy, and I would say. Uh, I don't need no school. <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.